0: You know, yesterday I had a new insight, or maybe a fresh insight, into one of my favorite verses of Scripture. It's Matthew nineteen fourteen. It appears in all the Gospels. Um, but it's, it's the passage that says, where Jesus tells his disciples, don't hinder the children from coming to me. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And I've reflected on that last phrase for years, uh, particularly since I started having children. That phrase takes on new meaning when you get to watch a child and you see children at different stages and phases of life. And yesterday morning, um, I had a new insight into that passage of Scripture. And The kid on the screen behind me is Owen. Many of you prayed for him right at the beginning of the year. He was in the ICU for several days with a big respiratory virus infection and asthma, and he's pulled through and doing great with that, so thank you for your prayers. Um, But this is Owen sitting at the counter in our kitchen, and if you've never met Owen, I'm sorry, because he is a joy and a delight, and he gives hugs that are so good that you forget what you were doing before he came and gave you the hug and uh, he comes up every morning he's usually the first kid up around 6 15 6 30 and i'm in my chair and i've got my bible and my journal and i'm having my time alone with god and he gives me one of these big hugs and then he sits down and he does his extreme dot to dots like dot to dot on steroids thousands of dot to dots okay and uh he works on those and right about 7 o'clock I'm folding everything up and he says Are you going to make pancakes? And I said yeah because Saturday morning Is when we typically do pancakes So he set down his dot to dots He went and he got all the stuff out For the pancakes He knows all the ingredients He got them out, got them all lined up Goes and gets his dot to dots Brings it to the counter Sits down and just works So he can be close to where I am And I thought that's what it, that's what that verse means That's an insight into that verse That he figures out what dad is doing, when we want to approach the kingdom of God like a child, as Jesus encouraged us to do, we'll figure out what God's about to do and then go start serving and figure out how can we set the table? How can we contribute? How can we play a part in it? He's not ready to mix everything up and pour the pancakes and he might burn his hands and everything out. There's a part that he leaves to me, but he does what he can. And then I love that he didn't go sit back down on the couch and get out his dot to dots. He wanted to be close. I thought, God, help me, to, help me to have the same discernment. And I connected that verse to another of my favorite verses in Galatians chapter 5, right after the fruit of the Spirit, where Paul says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And he was just wanting to keep in step with Dad. And I've been thinking about that for the last 24 hours or so, and I decided this morning I'll go ahead and share that. It doesn't necessarily fit with our series, but it was a powerful insight for me, and, and maybe that resonates with you, and maybe you won't get anything out of the message, but you'll remember that part, and that's okay. So, we are in the middle of a series. We're turning the corner, um, coming around the, the home stretch uh, with a series titled It's Time to grow. And if you've missed the first week or, or last week, um, I would encourage you to, to try to keep up with this one, whether you go to the podcast on the website or you go online or hi, Facebook crowd. We have a Facebook live stream, so if you can't be here but you can be on a computer, you can join in online. Um, and, and you can even go back to our Facebook page and find those videos. Just go to the video tab and watch this whole service or just the message. Um, but try to keep up and um, try to try to stay with us. It's a pretty important series, and I hope that it's clear that this series is not just about growing bigger numerically. I hope that that's not the impression that anybody has. Well, pastor wants the church to get bigger so he'll feel better about himself. I want the church to get bigger, but the series is about your personal growth and our corporate growth. And yes, last week was about evangelism, but the week that we started with was about discipleship. This week's going to be about fellowship. Next week's going to be about worship. The final week will be about ministry as we work through the five biblical purposes. And my conviction is that these are things that every Christian should be engaged in on a regular basis. If we are followers of Christ, then we are engaged in discipleship, evangelism, fellowship, worship, and ministry on a regular basis basis. And so we want to grow. And I believe that as each and every one of you, as the person in your seat grows in those five areas, the church will naturally grow in those five areas. And as you grow in your vertical relationship with God, we'll grow horizontally. If each and every person takes this seriously and takes their next step, and if you've been here all three weeks, you know there's been that question at the end. What's your next step in discipleship? What's your next step in evangelism. We just want people to be taking their next step. And as we do that, we will grow corporately. We will grow individually. And we'll grow numerically as a byproduct, not as the focus. Because I believe when churches focus on growing numerically, they lose important things. But when we focus on each person growing spiritually and us growing spiritually corporately, then we grow numerically by nature. I've mentioned a couple of times this year that we had a a, a, a LBA retreat. Our local board of administrations, the main spiritual governing board of this church, met for a two-day retreat back in November. And we had been praying, and we had been reading some things together, and we had been saying, what's our next step, God? What's our next step? And we set some goals And as I thought about that this week, I thought, you know, it's interesting, none of our goals were about numeric growth in attendance or anything else. Our goals had to do with how many people are engaged in personal spiritual practices, how many people are meeting in discipleship groups on a weekly or regular basis, and how many people are leading a discipleship group. Those are the things that we're focused on this year, and that's where the 2020 focus on discipleship came from. It came out of that, that we're going to be focused on discipleship, personal discipleship through your time alone with God every day, and then the replication or reproducible discipleship as you meet in groups, as you lead groups, as you grow as a disciple and become a disciple maker. And so we started the series with discipleship because it all starts with discipleship. And we talked about this idea that discipleship is the one thing that changes everything. And God really does want to change everything from the pre-Christ version of me to the post-Christ version of me. He wants to change me, not just tweak the dials and soften a few of the edges, but to completely transform me into the image of Christ so that I live my life as Jesus would if he were me. That I take on his character and his lifestyle and live according to his teachings. Last week we talked about growing larger through evangelism. That you grow larger, your life, your influence, your impact on the world around you grows larger when you evangelize, when you become a bearer of good news and tell people what you have seen and heard, what Jesus has done in your life. Tell him the wonderful things that God has done in you and through you. And I had a variety of responses to that message, Uh, probably more feedback to that message than I have gotten at any message, maybe, since I've been here, or close, which was really interesting because it was negative 25 last week, and we were way down in attendance. So fewer people heard it than just about any message I've preached here, and it got more feedback. Now, a lot of the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. Some of it wasn't overwhelmingly positive. All of it was sincere and helpful and appreciated, and it brought me to prayer, and it caused me to to seek God and to make sure that I was on the th- same track that he was. And I'll tell you two of my favorite responses. Uh, one was a lady who said, when you told me that you wanted me to pray for three people or pray for, for God to put somebody on my heart at the end of the, ser- uh, end of the service, I thought, who's going to come to mind? I, I've, I've, I can't think of anybody right now. But by the end of that prayer, three people had come to mind. And one of them hates me. And this is somebody I can't imagine anybody hating. And she said, but you know what, Pastor, I'm going to make the phone call this week. And I said, well, good for you. And she said, I have to. I don't have a choice. I have to. He's laid it on my heart. I have to respond to that. And I loved that. And the other one was somebody who uh, shared with me that they had had an idea for uh, something that had happened at a church that they had been at before, which was called a Bring a Friend Sunday, where the church kind of organized around this Sunday We want you to invite. We're going to have, you know, some extra food. We're going to encourage you to invite and bring people and and not necessarily a special service, but a service focused on that and mobilize people to invite a friend, bring a friend to church with you on a specific Sunday. So stay tuned for that because I love that idea. We've done it in other churches that I've been a part of. We just haven't done it here yet, but don't wait for it, okay? (laughs) Don't wait for bring a friend Sunday to bring a friend because here's what's really cool. If you bring a friend next Sunday... Then they start coming, and then when Bring a Friend Sunday comes, you both bring a friend. And it's you see how, don't wait. Don't wait for Bring a Friend Sunday to bring a friend to Linwood. But we will have that, because I think that is a phenomenal uh, opportunity and a way to to mobilize people. Last week, our bottom line was, uh, as we talked about fellowship, it was this idea that found people, find people. And if you have been found by God's grace... You want to find somebody else and introduce them to God's grace. If you have been found by God and his grace has come to you, then you want to find others and you want to help grace come to them through you. And uh, today we're moving on. We're starting, uh, like I said, this kind of the middle message in the, me- in the series. But we're talking about growing faster. It's time to grow faster through fellowship. And and I almost said further because we want to grow by a degree, further. We want to grow further. And I, then I thought, well, further, farther. And I you know, got out my grammar and realized, okay, further is by degree. Farther is by distance. And some of the English nerds are smiling. Yeah, I got it right. Um, but here's the idea. We grow faster, we grow further by degree, and we grow farther through fellowship. When we link arms with other people, we find, today's bottom line, that we really are better Together, that we were not meant to go it alone, that we grow and we go, we grow faster, we go further and farther when we go together, when we grow together. That no man is an island, we were not intended to live life on our own, that we were intended to grow and go farther and faster and further. And we do it better together. And I think that, that fellowship is an area probably may, might be stepping into the sweet spot for Linwood. You know, you got a sweet spot probably where you really do well. Linwood has a sweet spot in fellowship. I recognized it the moment I got here. And, and you see it uh, play out in a number of different ways. There's a lot of fellowship that takes place here. Real genuine fellowship. And and it's part of who we are as a church. And people walk in and say, this is a warm, inviting, comfortable place to be. It feels like home. And so it may be our top biblical purpose out of this series, and it's right in the middle, because we do well in fellowship. We also do really well in generosity. And I want to say thank you to everybody who's contributed to the mission and the vision. Uh, you should have received a statement uh, by email or by mail this week um, with your 2019 giving contributions. If you didn't get one of those or you haven't received one of those, please call the office. We want to provide that to you. Um, but if you have any questions about that or anything at all, uh, get a hold of Marlis in the office and she'll help you through that. But fellowship and generosity, I mean, this is a very, very generous church. It's a church that does fellowship really, really well. And it's right at the the heart of our mission to, to give them a place to belong. We want to reach people for Christ. That's evangelism. We want to give them a place to belong. And fellowship is where you belong. When you feel and experience true biblical fellowship, you belong there and you know it. And then we help them grow In their faith. That's discipleship. And so uh, that is what we're talking about today. And as we focus on our vision to be and become a healthy family of families, this fits right in the middle of that. Because healthy things, healthy organisms look throughout the world, healthy things grow and they reproduce. Healthy trees grow and they bear fruit or they cast their seeds and they reproduce. Healthy vegetables, healthy fruits, healthy healthy organisms grow and they reproduce. And so if you are healthy in your relationship with God, you will grow spiritually and you will reproduce spiritually. You will bring people into the faith and you will disciple them and you will help them grow. And we will do those things as well. So I hope this is all starting to fit together and tie together as we talk about fellowship. And I want to also tie back to the bonsai tree and the sequoia. And if you weren't here last week, uh, that was the illustration or the analogy The bonsai trees will fit in a pot. Sequoias are massive. You can build 35 houses out of a sequoia. But the point was they're all the same size when they're a seed. The bonsai gets its taproot tied off and it stays really, really small. The sequoia. That seed falls into the fertile soil of the California coast. It gets sunshine, it gets water, and it grows to be massive. And I was thinking about that as it relates to fellowship. That the bonsai can stay and grow very, very old and stay very, very small in a pot by itself. It's capable of doing that. But you cannot make a sequoia on its own. It's impossible. You cannot go plant a sequoia seed in the South Dakota prairie and end up with a General Sherman that's 280 feet tall. The sequoias need each other. They need the ecosystem. They need the fertilizer, the fertile soil that has fallen as the leaves have fallen year after year, and the ferns and 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 that whole thing. They're all interconnected, and you don't get a sequoia on its own. You get them in forests. You get them in groups, and that's another illustration that we are better together. Sequoias are better together, and they grow higher and faster when they grow together. And that's who we want to be, and that's what we want to be. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. We've been spending a little time in Acts chapter 2 each week, and this passage at the end of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 46, it talks about fellowship more in that passage than any of the other biblical purposes. And so I want to highlight a few of those, and then we'll look at a passage from 1 John and start to, uh, to pick that apart. But uh, verse 42 kicks it off. And we're told that, the, that these apostles, the early church, the first disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They were devoted to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And So it's good to define terms and to understand words. And when we talk about fellowship, we're, we're not talking about coffee and cookies. Okay, if fellowship was limited to coffee and cookies and lunch after church, then the message would be titled growing fatter through fellowship, right? Because we just eat. No, we're, gonna, we're so devoted to fellowship. We've got to go fellowship with people. We've got to eat. People turn it into a verb in church. They, they don't talk about fellowship as a noun. They talk, we're going to fellowship together, right? And, and we're going to go and eat. That's usually what that means. There's almost always food involved in church fellowship. But fellowship is so much more, so much more than coffee And cookies. Fellowship is where you belong. It involves partnership and contributory help or participation. You participate in something together, that's fellowship. There's fellowship involved as you contribute to each other and help each other. There should be fellowship in our families and in our homes and in our marriages and fellowship in the workplace as we contribute and participate together and we share things in common. And so, communion, when we take and partake of communion. We're partaking, and there's fellowship, and we're participating in it together, and we're sharing it in common, and, and we're uh, contributing in that. And so there's a word picture involved in fellowship, in our English word of fellowship, and that's the idea of two fellows in the same ship. Two fellows in the same ship, and they're rowing together, and they go a lot faster. And a lot, you know, It's more than twice as fast if they both get in sync and are rowing together. Have you ever noticed that? That's, two, that's fellowship. That's participatory help. That's contribution. That's participation. That's sharing in common. And so keep that in mind as we talk about fellowship and this idea that we really are better together. When we link arms and go at the same, go at the same target, at the same pace, we are better Together, we get there faster, we get there um, better and, and more in sync with each other. And if you skip down to verse 44 through 46, you see a description of the fellowship that they were devoted to, way beyond coffee and cookies. They, we read that all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's the fellowship that they were devoted to. And it's sort of a restoration of the original vision for Israel. The original vision, way back in in the Old Testament, way back in the first five books, as God was casting vision for Israel, it was that no one would have need. That everyone would contribute and that everyone would be together and that the synagogue would be the very center of the society, the center of the culture, the center of the village. And that people would come with their abundance and share it with the people who had need and everyone. And you see that happening here in the early church. And that's the fellowship, the participation, the contributory help, the, the partnership that they enjoyed together. So keep that in the back of your mind as we switch over to 1 John chapter 1. This is on page 1888, if you have one of our blue hardcover Bibles. And this is a perfect uh, transition from evangelism to fellowship. So last week we talked about evangelism. This week we're talking about fellowship. John gives us a perfect transition in five verses from evangelism to fellowship. And so I'm going to read uh, verse 3 and 4, and then we'll stop, and then we'll read 5 and 6 and stop, and then we'll finish it up in verse 7. But in verse 3, he says this. He says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. That's evangelism. That's being a witness for Christ. When Jesus says in Acts 1-8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the other ends of the earth, he's saying you will be my witnesses, not you should be, not you ought to be, not I wish you would, you will be. You'll either be good witnesses or you'll be bad witnesses, but you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to tell what you have seen and heard. John is starting with that. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that. If you haven't heard me say this before, every time you see a so that or a therefore in your Bible, circle it. Because God's making the application of truth very simple for you. You need to pay attention to so that. So that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So let's pause right here and let's look at this idea that John has just given us three purposes for proclamation, for proclaiming, for being a witness of what we have seen and heard. He gives us three purposes purposes for proclamations, and I believe they contain with them three levels of experience in our spiritual lives. The first one is that we would have fellowship with one another. Did you catch that on the second half of verse 3? So that you also may have fellowship with us. That's the first purpose for proclaiming what we've seen and heard, that others might have fellowship with us, that we would have fellowship one with another that the gospel message binds people together and when grace moves into your heart and it's moved into the heart of the person next to you you have fellowship with each other you have something in common you have a partnership in that and so the second purpose of proclamation is fellowship with God. This is the next phrase that he makes. He says, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. So the first is you and I have fellowship one with another, but because my fellowships with God, once you have fellowship with me, now we have fellowship with God. You see, this is called church growth. This is called spiritual growth in the life of another person, that the Father and the Son mediate this fellowship that we now both enjoy with God, because you and I have fellowship with each other and we have fellowship with God. This is the vertical and the horizontal. I think that's why the emblem of Christianity is still and always will be the cross, because it highlights that vertical, God coming to earth to save us on a divine rescue mission and then sending us out to save everyone else. And so when grace comes to you and moves into your heart, it's not to be a cistern, that you just accumulate all that love and grace and mercy. It's to flow through you to someone else, to move out horizontally from your life. And so that's the second purpose, is that we would have fellowship with God as we have fellowship with each other. And the third purpose is complete joy. How many of you would like complete joy? Just a few. Maybe a few more hands. If you think about it, do you want complete joy? I do. We used to sing this song in this little church that we would go to on Sunday nights. And uh, it was Brenda and Glinda. Can't make this up. Brenda and Glinda. One was on the organ, one was on the piano. And neither of them had ever had a, a, a minute of formal musical instruction. But they could play all these hymns by ear. They'd just grown up in the church. They were in their 60s or 70s. And they'd go pounding away on the organ and the piano. And they would sing this song called Joy Unspeakable and Full of Glory. Oh, the half has never yet been told. How many of you know that song? Yeah, quite a few. Maybe we need to do it here, Michael. There's quite a few. We could, we could do joy unspeakable. And I love that idea that that there is a joy available to us in a relationship with God and in fellowship with each other that is unspeakable, and it's full of glory, and the half has never yet been told. That song was written a long time ago. I don't think it's been told yet. I just still don't think we have told the half of the glory of the joy that is available to us. And John is saying, we're writing this to you so that you can have fellowship with us, we can have fellowship with God, and we together can have complete joy. And I believe that is the joy of bringing people into the fellowship. I believe that is the joy of watching somebody that you invited, that you shared, that you witnessed to come up out of the waters of, of baptism, transformed by the grace of God, making a public profession of their faith, I think that's complete joy. And that's been complete joy for me when I have seen that. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And it fits that, that we have fellowship with each other. We have fellowship with God. We have complete joy when we bring people into that fellowship, when we watch that fellowship grow. And it, it, it ties right into the mission of Linwood Church that Pastor Zach shared at the beginning here in the welcome. We proclaim salvation. We proclaim that is reaching people for Christ. That's evangelism. We create belonging. We give people a place to belong. That is fellowship. And we help them grow in their faith. That is discipleship. You see how that fits together. That's the big three here. We want to be evangelizing. We want to be providing a place where people can belong, participate, have partnership, experience that together, and grow in their faith. So that's all in verse three and four. Then verse five and six kind of expands upon that, and this idea or this language that is he, he calls walking in the light. He says, this is the message we have heard From him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Now, light symbolizes many things. Light symbolizes knowledge, it symbolizes purity, it symbolizes God. If you remember the first thing, first day of creation, let there be light. And we're told in the very end of Scripture that there's light in in heaven. There's light in the land of eternity, light that casts no shadow, pure light. So as I move around the stage, I can see shadows because each light bulb that is meant to illuminate me casts a shadow. But the light in heaven does not cast shadows. It's a pure, perfect light. That is God. There is no darkness in him. At all, And this highlights the reality of God in spiritual perfection, moral excellence, and his utter transcendence. That's why light is so perfect, that light, pure, unfiltered light, is a great representation of God because of his moral excellence, his spiritual perfection, his utter transi- transcendence. And so God and darkness are incompatible. They, they have irreconcilable differences. They, they do not mix. They do not mingle together. God is light, and if we follow him, then we are to walk in the light. And if we claim to have fellowship with him, this is all about holiness. If we claim to have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, then we're lying. We're lying to ourselves and we're lying to the people around us. So he's he's talking about holiness. First he talks about proclamation, the fellowship we have with each other, the fellowship we have with God, making our joy complete. Then he makes sure that we don't miss out on the call to holiness, that we are called to live holy and righteous lives, that we don't just bring sin into our relationship with God and expect him to tolerate it. He wants to change us. He wants to make us like himself. And then verse 7, If we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. When we walk in the light together, and we walk and have fellowship with each other, and fellowship with God, then we experience salvation. We experience salvation, followed by forgiveness accompanied by forgiveness. We experience the justification that it's like we never sinned, justified, never sinned. It's just as if I'd never sinned. That's the idea of justification, but he doesn't leave us there. He moves on to sanctification, making us holy, making us like Jesus as we walk in the light. And we walk better in the light when we walk together in the light. That's the point behind fellowship, that it all starts with the fellowship we experience together. that, that, when you're overcoming sin and you're overcoming temptation and you're overcoming your past and you're overcoming the things you did and the things that were done to you, you do that better with other people that are going through the same process. You do that better as you link arms with other people who are on the same page. If you just keep going back to the, all the same old places that you went before Christ, you're going to get tripped up. You're going to get led astray. You're not necessarily going to walk in the light. But when you link arms with others and you walk in the light together and you experience fellowship together and you experience fellowship to God with God, you experience the sanctification and the transformation that he desires for us to have. That's why our bottom line is we really are better together. Rather than walking alone in the dark, we link arms and we walk together. In the light. We resist temptation. We build accountability. We support one another. We pray for one another. We confess to one another that we may be healed. And so you can start a good habit and break a bad habit much better when you got a buddy. If you want to start working out, you find somebody to go to the gym with you. You know they're going to be waiting for you at 5:30 a.m. They're going to be ticked if you don't show up. So you get up. And they were thinking the same thing. Well, he's going to be there if I don't come. Well, Truth is, you both wanted to quit, but you both came because you were coming together, because you were participating, you had a partnership together. And so you want to break a bad habit, you want to lose some weight, you want to go on a diet, you want to quit cussing, whatever the case may be. If you want to break a bad habit, you do that better together. You build some accountability and you have somebody praying for you, have somebody checking in with you and you do better. You grow faster when you grow together. And so I want to highlight, we talked about this in the first week, a lot of you picked up a banding together journal. I hope that you've been working on this. I've been loving this journal, by the way, and really enjoying thinking through and pointing out, like asking God to speak to me about something that I just read and apply that to my life. And, and so I hope that you're in the journal. I want to highlight a couple of, of things that are available in the journal and the ways in which this journal really combines discipleship fellowship and evangelism the first three things that we've talked about in this series because it's all built right into this that you have a personal time that you spend with God and that's growing you as a disciple that's growing you in your vertical relationship with God one-on-one as a child of God you spend time in that and then you have the opportunity to grow with other people, to experience fellowship together. If you meet, there's a right on the inside cover, there's an outline. You could do this with one other person, you could do this with two or three other people. The recommendation is to keep the group small so that you can really be transparent and really grow together in that way. But that's where fellowship takes place when you start meeting and talking with somebody else about what you're hearing, what God is saying to you and In every meeting, right at the bottom, prayer for the lost, that's evangelism. That there is a focus built into this to pray for lost people. And in the back, there is a really cool just prayer list where you can write down the things that you're praying for. And there's an emphasis there on praying for the lost. And I love that there's a column for answered. So you have the date that you made the prayer request and you're supposed to go back and add when that prayer was answered. And so as you pray for things, you pray for people, you pray for somebody that you want an open door to evangelize, to share your faith with, or you pray for somebody who's in between churches in another city and you're praying for them to find a place and to get rooted. Whatever the case is, you write that down. And now you've combined discipleship, fellowship, and evangelism in a tool that helps you stay tethered to God on a daily basis. And if you do this, if you do all three, if you spend time four, five, six days a week in this, seven days a week for extra credit, if you meet with a group and you spend time in prayer together and you pray for the lost together and you talk about what God is saying to you and you hold each other accountable, if you do that, after a while, you won't just be meeting together anymore. It starts that way, and it's a little awkward. And oh, am I going to share that or not? Maybe I won't. But then somebody has the courage to share that, and it encourages you. And next week, you share. And pretty soon, you're not just meeting together, you're learning together, you're growing together, you're struggling together, and you're overcoming together. You're growing faster together. You're going further together. You're suffering together and grieving together and healing together and being transformed together. You don't just meet together. You do all of these things and you do them together. And there's fellowship And we do this together because we are better together. We were not designed to be alone. We were designed to be in a community. We were not designed to be bonsai trees, living small lives on our own, apart from everything else. We were designed to be interconnected together and to grow stronger and faster and further together, and we do it better together. And so as you consider how you might respond today, there's a couple of things that that I would just highlight. One, if you haven't gotten a journal, go get a journal right after uh, service. It's right out at the little curved uh, welcome center area. There's several of those. We asked for a $5 donation. Don't let that stop you. Several people gave $20 for one or $20 for two, so there's plenty of those to go around. And uh, that would be step one. If, if you're not meeting with a group of Christians on a regular basis, That would be step two. If you're looking for ways to experience fellowship, oh my goodness, this is a resource for you almost every single week. There are ways that you can experience fellowship, that you can grow with other people, that you can make connections to people of God. If you look at the events that are coming up, there's events coming up. Seniors on the Go has an event coming up in a couple of weeks. There's places to serve together. There's disciple maker training taking place today. If you didn't sign up, I don't want that to stop you from coming. If you can come and join us down in the youth room after service, I'll give you my lunch, okay? I was fasting and praying that people would come. We've got eight people signed up for this thing. I am over the moon excited. And I think God's going to bring another eight and another eight and another eight. And if you can't come today, but you could come on the ninth, then come to the one on the ninth and we'll do the same thing over again. It's the same training twice. We just wanted to offer it a couple of different times. There's classes and groups that you could become a part of and experience fellowship and learn and grow together and link arms with somebody else. We have Sunday morning classes. We have a Wednesday night young families class that meets here at the church when there's child care and they learn how to become better parents together or how to have a stronger marriage together. You could do do that. You could just say, hey, what, we, what if we got together every other week with a couple other families, and we study the Bible together? Whatever the case may be, there are all kinds of opportunities for you to be engaged in fellowship, and one of them is right here in your hand. I say it almost every week. In these next few moments, my hope, my prayer as I walk through this sanctuary and pray over this sanctuary every week, is that people will hear from God's Spirit and respond in faith to it. Be very, very careful what you do with conviction. Be very, very careful what you do when you feel something a little uncomfortable and you realize that that's the Holy Spirit tapping you on the shoulder. Don't ignore that. Don't brush that off. Don't move on. Don't start thinking about what you're going to order for lunch. Engage that. Pray through that. Respond in faith to that. Because we all have a next step. We have a next step in discipleship, a next step in evangelism, a next step in fellowship. What's yours? You can come and pray at one of the altars. You can go to the outside altar. Somebody will pray with you. You can put a prayer request on the cross. However you choose to respond, make sure you respond in faith. Lean into what God is saying to you. Would you bow with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we love you. We love your word. We thank you for teaching us through your word and for inviting us to be in fellowship not only with one another, Lord, but with you. That we can actually have a personal relationship with the God of the universe should blow our minds every single day. That you desire that. That you want us to bring everything to you. And that you want us to make an impact for your kingdom. God, help us to do that. Help us to have fellowship with each other, to have fellowship with you, and make our joy complete, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.